Hey everyone, John here, real quick to start off the episode. Ian is back at training this week and is unable to record. So last week I sat down with Vinny, you might remember from a few episodes ago, to talk about Standard, but that was before we found out about any of the bannings. So, of course, big note, Felidar Guardian being banned as of last night. Uh, effective immediately on Magic Online and on Friday for everyone else who's getting who has Paper Magic for Standard. The other bannings included Sensei's Divining Top and Legacy, and then the restrictions of Gush and Gitaxian Probe in Vintage. So, in any case, Amaket comes out this weekend. It's going to be a lot of fun. Go to your local game store, draft it, draft it a ton, go on Magic Online, draft it a ton. It seems to be a really fun set. I'm still undecided as to whether or not I think it's, you know, greatest set of all time or just a solid draft format. Granted, I did just 2-1 my first draft after going 0-3 and 1-2 a bunch, so we'll see how it goes. Anyways, roll that beautiful bean footage. How's it going, everybody, and welcome back to Eyes of the Mize. My name is John, and Ian is currently out uh, doing training. I don't know where yet. We don't have a psychic connection yet, but I am pleased to bring back on to the show Vinny from our episode on Standard. Vinny, welcome back. Thank you. Glad to be back. How are y'all doing? I think we're all doing all right. Uh, today is April nineteenth. You will note that because la- the last or this week's episode, episode one, we recorded it on Monday because Ian is, like I said, out. So this week you get a special double dip episodes. Uh, hopefully you all enjoyed the episode talking to Mike about the MTG Art Show. Uh, which, as of recording, is, I believe, under $1,000 away from being funded, which I think is going to be awesome. So go ahead and give out give your support to the MTG Art Show if you are able on Kickstarter. Uh, I'll put a link again in the show notes below uh, for this special episode. Because what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about Standard. Because Amaket changes quite a few things, and we brought Vinny back on because Vinny knows a lot about Standard. Yeah, so they say. <laughs> Uh, before we do so, we're going to do a quick eyes on the community because in between recording on Monday and recording today, we had a bunch of other things happen. First up, uh, there was more information given about nationals. Uh, if you have 500 Planeswalker points, you are eligible for your nationals tournament. So both Vinny and I happen to be uh, qualified for U.S. nationals. Woo! Whichever weekend it's going to happen. Uh, locations are to be determined, and the participation promo is Ink Moth Nexus because no one needs more of those. Hey, so I have a question about the nationals, actually. Yes. So they put out, like, three weekends, right? I is think, it any of those three? I think U.S. Nationals is going to be one of those weekends. Oh, That's my understanding. Boy. So, well. we don't know where yet, and, and we know one of the week. We, we don't know which weekend yet. Um, but the winners, or the finalists of Nationals, get to join the top pro point, uh, the top pro point player from that country on their national team. Yes. So that's going to be really sweet for the World Magic Cup. Uh, I'm just honored that they invited me. I know. It's great. <laughs> uh, also, the Fall Set Ixalan, I-X-A-L-A-N, was announced. We don't know anything else about it. Um, apparently, it was it needed to be announced today or Tuesday because Organized Play needed it, not because that's when they were supposed to officially announce it. But we'll learn more information about it later. There's some rumors that it's Mesoamerican, South American, pi- pirate, plane. We'll find out. Mm. Uh, also, Commander 2017 was announced, which is coming out in August, and instead of having five decks like they normally do, they have four decks organized around different tribes, 
We don't know what the tribes are yet. I'm betting goblins is one of them. Yeah. I don't, I mean, everyone's like elves, zombies, dragons, angels, whatever. We'll, we'll figure it out. What about, what about everyone's favorite though? And by favorite, I don't actually mean favorite fairies. Yes. We, I mean, sure. Um, I mean, I want tribal brushwags, but that's not happening anytime soon. <laughs> what about tribal ATOGs? <laughs> Why won't anyone answer my calls? <laughs> um, and then also the pre-releases this weekend. So this is coming out on Friday. So go to the Amaket pre-release, have a lot of fun. And tell us, tell us how you did. Tell us what you opened because uh, pre-releases are a lot of fun. I'll be judging yeah. a bunch of them. Also, there's like really expensive cards, maybe sometimes. Maybe. Like you could open a Force of Will. Like I mean, I, that that would be uh, hopeful. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I just I just want to be the person who opens Mind Twist. That's all I want. <laughs> I, I don't want to play them. <laughs> I want to be that guy. Um, but let's go ahead and move on to talk about Standard because Standard. Is in a little bit of a rut right now. Um, we've got two big decks. We've got the Sahili decks, which have kind of amalgamated into the four-color deck instead of mm-hmm. the Jeskai Sahili, uh, and the other menace of the uh, Green Black. No, not Green Black Counters. Green Black Counters is like tier one and a half now. Uh, yeah. Mardu Vehicles. Yep. Mardu Vehicles, and especially now that it's playing Walking Blista and Archangel Avacyn and becoming this more mid-range deck, which is completely why. Green Black is just out of the picture. And uh, spoiler alert, Amonkhet does nothing for it. So uh, it's going to stay out for if a anything, while. If anything, Amonkhet hurt the Green Black decks. Yes, yes, that is correct. Or force them to change drastically. But we're going to go ahead and go through some of the cards that Vinny has kind of highlighted looking through the set. Um, this is also assuming no bans. I, mm-hmm. I, have my, I have my own feelings on if there's going to be any standard bannings, but we'll see. Um, and we're going to start... Well, well, tell me more on what you think, maybe, though. Mm, well, let's just go ahead and get into the cards, then, because uh, we, okay. we don't have a ton It'll of time. Come. Otherwise, True. we'll be here forever. Yep. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to go through the cards, starting with cards that are going to be good in aggro decks, and then go to mid-range, and then go to control decks, and then we'll talk about some of the sideboard cards, and then uh, maybe what are some new decks that might arise out of the new standard, and what some of the usual suspects might have had, hap- had happened to them, like the green-black decks. Sounds good. So let's go ahead and get off with the uh, card that you started with, Devoted Cropmate. What is what does this guy do? So it's two and a white for a three-two, and you can exert him as he attacks. So you just don't untap him the next turn. Um, and you return a target creature with converted mana cost two or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So it's worth mentioning that he is a human, and so that's why I did put him on the list because, as you said earlier, and I even think about. Uh, Thalia's Lieutenant is insane with this card. Yeah, putting Thalia's Lieutenant in with uh, Devoted Cropmate seems like big game. And also, he's in the same colors that you would see always watching, so just you exert mm-hmm. him every time. Exactly. So, uh, he definitely a good aggro card, although he comes out a little bit later. I mean, you need three drops and four drops in your aggro decks occasionally. And speaking of yeah. cards that... Like, again, this card, normally these type of effects you don't think about in aggro decks, but... One of the new Aftermath cards, Dusk to Dawn, really does kind of have this white weenie humans aggro deck stapled, like, right onto the cover. Yeah, and and this this card actually could be a, a big reason why that uh, that last card, Devoted Cropmate, wouldn't see play. Because, um, you know, it's, it's not going to get that back. Um, plus, this just takes care of everything else. Yeah. So real quick, Dusk to Dawn is two white-white for a sorcery for the Dusk side. You destroy all creatures with power three or greater. Then the Aftermath Dawn side is also a sorcery. Uh, you return all creature cards from your graveyard with power two or less to your hand. So yeah. 
that would be that's one reason why you might want to consider Dusk to Dawn in your aggro decks. Uh, a card that I am fully expecting to see play uh, either in kind of in these aggro shells or even in a tribal shell. We have the one mana two one Dread Wanderer, and uh, why is Dread Wanderer going to be uh, torturing our tables in the near future? Well, see now I I want to get your opinion on it because. I don't know how much this is going to see play. I know people are excited about it, and a 2-1 for 1 in an aggro deck, very good. Although it does enter the battlefield tapped, um, you can get it back later, just like Scrap Heap Scrounger from the graveyard. Um, however, it costs 2 and a black. Uh, you don't need to get rid of another creature like Scrap Heap Scrounger, except you can only do it when uh, you can cast a sorcery, and only if you have one or fewer cards in your hand. So something like a, a Madness deck or um, uh, the... Black Red Vampires, that kind of uh, deck where they're constantly not going to have anything in their hand. This just goes very well in. It can block, which is uh, unlike most cards that are like this. But I just don't know. With, you know, Crewing Heart of Kieran, you don't want a card like this. And that's just the best thing you want to do on turn two at these points. Yeah, I mean, I think this would be a different uh, different uh, conversation entirely if something like, say, Smuggler's Copter were still legal in the format. True. Uh, but there's a bunch of zombie payoffs that we're going to get to a, a little bit later. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, you play a Dread Wanderer, then you curve it into something like Relentless Dead, and then you curve it into um, something like Lord of the Accursed. I think that's mm-hmm. the guy's name, right? The uh, three mana, three mana, two, three zombie yes. lords that gives your zombies menace. Um, that seems like a big game. And I true. don't know how much that deck wants to play stuff like Heart of Kieran. That's true. Well, yeah, and, and again, in a, in a zombie tribal, there's no way you're passing this up. No. Definitely. I would definitely agree with you there. Um the big question I mean, is you, like if you're in like a black red non aggro shell, or right. you're in some sort, or like, or you're or you're in black red aggro. Would you rather have scrap heap scrounger, which does kind of push your resources a little bit, but is cheaper mm-hmm. on the mana and you can do it at instant speed, versus red wanderer yeah. who needs it on, at sorcery speed and only when you basically are hellbent. I mean, there's definitely big differences. I mean, the difference between one and two mana very very big, um, and the fact that. Um, it it has or sorry, Scrappy Scrounger has three power. I mean, there's a reason why it's in that deck. You're um, it doesn't cost any colored mana. Um, plenty of reasons, but again, it's just they're two different cards, and I don't ever really see them being in the same deck per se. Yeah. So let's move on to a card that I that I that I also think is going to see standard play, uh, which is On Crop Crasher. Uh, I was watching the pre pre release, and uh, Kathleen was really putting the hurt on some people with it. It is two and a red for a three two Minotaur warrior with haste. Uh, you may exert it as it attacks, and when you do, target creature can't block this turn. This card is so good. Like, there was that one card, uh, Gaia Reach Bandit, that one that flipped into, uh, I guess, a 4-3 that made all your werewolves flip with yeah. haste. And I thought that that card was, like, nearly on the verge of seeing standard play. Unfortunately, werewolves never got there. But, I mean, this card is just insane, especially if you have Always Watching. Yeah. I mean, Always Watching makes all these exert creatures kind of just insane. Yeah. Um... Just just for the fact that you can exert it and then just keep exerting it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing with Oncrop Crasher is it gives me a little bit of flashbacks to uh, a card that I know Vinny and I enjoyed drafting from Fate Reforged, which was the Goblin Heel Cutter. Um, oh, yeah. Which was a 4-mana 3-2 that had dash for 2-mana that when it attacked, you faltered a creature like Oncrop Crasher does. Which um, did see sideboard play. It did see some play, and I think that Oncrop Crasher, like... 
I have not played Mono Red since Magic since Magic Origins, and I think Mono Red might make a comeback in this set. There's just a ton oh, of, definitely. There's just a ton of tools. Like we followed up into the next card, Blood Rage Brawler, which is a two mana four three. That when it comes to play, you discard a card. Like that card is just absurd on so many levels. You had me at two mana four three. <laughs> now mean, this card, that card, it's just insane, and I, it's one of your favorite uh, types, and that's a, a Minotaur. Yeah, it's a Minotaur. I can play Black Red Minotaurs again. All day, um, all day, every day. Uh, the other thing with Blood Rage Brawler is, of course, you can play it on turn three and discard your Fiery Temper. Ooh. So, if you just want to get max value there. That value. Um, we'll finish off the red cards for the aggro section with Glorious End. Very clean card, just a lot of reminder text. Three mana, instant, end the turn. But at the beginning of your next end step, you lose the game. Yeah, so... I didn't know how to evaluate this card when I first saw it, and I knew it was good, because A, it's a mythic, so, you know, that's a, a pretty good tell, but I didn't really think about the full possibilities of all this, so give us some give us some ideas of what you can actually do with something like this. So, let's say that you're playing against your control opponent, and you have a few creatures in play, and then they, they cast a Fumigate, or they cast... Um... They cast a Rags from Rags to Riches, which I probably, which I don't think is actually going to see play in Standard. Or they cast Yehenny's Expertise, and you just kind of go, in response, Glorious End, which effectively is a counterspell in those scenarios, and then you untap and you kill them. It's, I mean, it's basically a disallow in a, in a aggro deck. Yeah. The other way that you can, uh, you can use this is, let's say that you're playing the aggro mirror match, and your opponent serves with all their creatures, and they're just all, ta- they're like, attack with everything. And then you go, Glorious mm-hmm. End, I, the combat, ends, the turn ends, nothing else happens, my turn, I kill you on the crackback. Oh, yeah. Like, you I can do this during their upkeep? Yeah, you can just skip their turn, just like on your upkeep. Sure, they'll have all their untapped mana, which I don't recommend against, say, a control opponent. But um, if you have some way to tap down their creatures or, you know, whatever, like, yeah. boy, that's good. Oh, yeah. Like, Glorious End has a lot of different uses, and there's a, there's a card that we're going to talk about later, which people are kind of speculating on about it being good with. But we'll see. Uh, next card we, that I think we're going to talk about for the aggro section kind of really it exemplifies a lot of things that are interesting about this set. Um, Vinny, tell us about the Exemplar of Strength. So Exemplar of Strength is one in a green for a 4-4. Four, four. Yes, I said a 1-4-4. A four, four. Uh, it enters the battlefield with three uh, minus one minus one counters. Oh, sorry. You put three minus one minus one counters on target creature you control. Whenever it attacks, you can remove a minus one minus one counter from it. And if you do, you gain a life. So the big implication here is that you're probably not putting those three minus one minus one counters on it necessarily. Uh, maybe you put this in like a token strategy where you can just make it a two mana four four. Yeah. Um, there's different places like you, I think in this deck you really need to figure out what colors you're playing. Like if you're playing mono, I don't think you're playing mono green as standard, but you really need to figure out like what your one what one drop are you playing? Like what one drop do you play into Exemplar of Strength? to really kind of get the ball rolling. Like, are you playing Dreadwanderer into this so that you can, you know, just kill mm-hmm. off that 2-2 and get a 4-4 on turn two? Uh, are you dropping it? Are you, like, killing another a, a different one drop, like, further on? Like, are you playing Lone Dryad in this deck because it can hold counters or something like that? Right, and what if what if you go uh, turn two, Thalia's Lieutenant, turn three, this, because you're in a human deck, right? Turn four, you know, get the... Um, the devoted crop mate get back to all his lieutenant have fun yeah it there's just so many things that you can do with this card i i, I don't know if it's going to see play but i right. would be i would not be surprised if something like a two mana four four got there yeah, yeah sometimes it does 
Uh, and then let's talk about another card because this is Nicol Bolas' plane. It, we would be remiss if we didn't at least talk about the Throne of the God Pharaoh, which is a two-mana artifact that says at the beginning of your end step... I'm, I'm looking for the card right now. Where is it? Where is it? Where it's is it? Uh, each opponent... Yeah. Each opponent is going to lose life equal to the number of tap creatures you control at your end step. Now, mind you, this is legendary. Yeah, I was just about to mention and, that. Yeah, you can't double that up. But, I mean, this does seem like it's it's very keyed towards, like, exert creatures that stay tapped for multiple turns anyways. Um, and also just being in an aggro shell. Now, it's a non-bow with always watching, so don't play this in your always watching deck. This is true. But it is it gets better with exert, because you're actually doing something with these creatures that can't do anything this turn. Yeah. I mean, so, I don't know if this sees play. I think it's interesting. Um, I'm sure that, you know, two-mana colas is a is not a hard cost to make. Uh, the big question is, of, is this like, this is like turn five, I've attacked you with three creatures, then I play this as like a as a lava spike or something like that. I'm not sure exactly right. what the play pattern is with Throne of the God Pharaoh. Right, or or is it in some weird, like, um, uh, what was that? They had the deck with the... Oh, the Crypt uh, right. Yeah, with Crypt right, exactly. And so you're going off doing these big things, um, whether it be tapping down their board every turn with your creatures, and then they're losing life because all your things are tapped. Um, there, it, it's very versatile, but again, I just don't know how many of these you want. Probably more, no more than two. Right. So that moves us up from the aggro cards to kind of the the aggro to mid range cards. You know, these are going to see play in both of these styles of decks, um, and we're gonna. And I think you know, Glorybound Initiate is a very good kind of card to look at in the situation. It's a two mana three one in white that we kind of we're kind of used to. It's a human warrior. Notable for human because, again, Thali's Lieutenant, still in standard. Human, still a fairly supported archetype. And you may exert it when it attacks for it to become a 4-4 lifelink. Yeah. I mean, th- this card is like the epitome of mid-range. It, it's a 3-1 on turn 2, and then it could just become a 4-4. That um, It's just an 8-life eight, eight point swing is huge. And like you, pl- you curve this into always watching. You're attacking with a 5-5 lifelink on turn 3. Oh, gosh. So that's just absurd. So I think I know the next deck I want to play in standard. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll, you'll have to fight me for it. Um, <laughs> next up, I mean, we had to mention one of these at some point. Mm-hmm. Oketra the True, uh, which three and a white for a 3-6 legendary creature god. She is indestructible, and she has double strike. Sounds she, great. She can't attack unless you have at least three other creatures, and you can pay four mana to make a 1-1 one, one with Vigilance, with the warrior subtype. Yeah, so it's too bad that they're not human warriors, but I don't think that it actually would have made a difference. Mm. Um, there's in whatever deck that you want to play this in, it's never not going to have three other creatures. Yeah, I mean this is, is always all the gods can are probably going to see at some level of standard play because mm-hmm. their conditions aren't too hard to get around if you build around them very very or if you build around them very well. Like in limited, this is a very different conversation. Um, right. You know, you don't. You might not always have three creatures. You might not always have seven cards in hand or anything like that. Uh, but with Oketra, I like her ability is no joke. The only question is how often are you activating it, and how much mana are you playing in the in the deck that plays Oketra anyways? Right. And see, now it's it's kind of hard because normally what you want to do with these guys is kind of put them up to ne- next to the Theros gods and say, okay, well, how good were they? Well, Heliod was awful. Yeah, Heliod was bad. Um, same effect. He did, he created something. I don't think it had vigilance though, uh, but he it, made, he did uh, everything vigilance. He made two Oh, okay. Ones. Right. But he, this though has double strike. So it, 
they're different cards, hard to push them up next to each other. Um, there is a, a deck, though, that if you put her and Bantu together, yeah, then you're kind of doing something. You're doing something like that. I think that deck that you just described is the definition of spinning your wheels. Like you're doing yeah. something, but it's not a powerful something. It's just kind of a you're just doing a thing. I mean, with Zulaport Cutthroat, I mean there there are things you could do. Yeah. Well, yeah. we'll we'll get to the decks in a little bit. So let's go ahead and talk about the card that um, people have been talking about this since it got previewed. This is the cheapest we've ever seen an extra combat steps card. Combat Celebrant. It's four one for three in red. Uh, if it if it hasn't been exerted this turn, you may exert it as it attacks. When you do, you untap all your other creatures, and then you get an extra combat step. This would be so much better if it didn't have one, one toughness, but also it would probably just be way too broken if it didn't have one toughness. Like, they could have made this, like, a 3-2, a and I think that still would have been too good. Like yeah. The, the big thing that they wanted to make sure was combat celebrant is that if it was too good, it died to everything. Yeah. I mean, if you have ways to give this haste, then, like, they go to attack you and just kill them out of nowhere. I don't know. I mean, like, lightning... Lightning Runner didn't see play, and that took a lot, I mean, given it took a lot of work, but... Mm. I mean, Lightning Runner, I think, saw, like, a little bit of sideboard play, or it was, like, a one-of in it? certain... In a, no, yeah, it, it was played at the Pro Tour, I, I recall. It was, like, a mm. one-of in, like, the Team or Energy decks. But it wasn't, like, the biggest... It wasn't the next best thing since Slice Spread. Right. And this is, like, not counting, like, you know, um, Aggravated Assault, which was a... Which is a three mana red enchantment that had that you could pay five mana to get an extra combat step. No, like this is the cheapest that you could just get an extra combat step for. Mm-hmm. And if this doesn't see play, it then we're gonna have to see it at like two mana, and then we're talking like a red time walk. Yeah, I'm. I would be surprised if this. We're definitely gonna see play, like in some fringe deck or at game day or something, but. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit later, but one of my new favorite cards in the set is the, um, is Semet, what's her name? Semet? Oh, Semet, so, the, uh, the yeah. Voice of Descent. Yeah, where she gives her your other creatures haste. Now, that's going to kill your opponent out of nowhere. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, before we get there, let's talk about a color-shifted card into probably its correct color now. Yeah. Uh, Consuming Fervor, as we mentioned uh, previously, which is the, um, the color-shifted version of uh, Unstable Mutation, which was blue. Uh, it's a red aura. It enchants a creature. The creature gets plus three, plus three, but at the beginning of your upkeep, it gets a minus one, minus one counter placed on it. Which, as we've seen with some of these cards, it's not actually a bad thing to have. Yeah, it's a little bit of a benefit. Now, I wouldn't want to put multiple of these on a creature, but, you know, putting a Consuming Fervor on something, you know, like a one drop or a two drop. Like, what about on Exemplar of Strength? Oh, yeah, that that's just kind of silly. That's um, cute. That is, that is very cute. Um... Let's go ahead and talk about another card, which hasn't made a ton of waves, and I don't really expect it to. Fling. Really? I mean, okay. okay well, well, what does Fling do, Vinny? So Fling is a two-mana instant, one in a red. Um, as an additional cost, you sack a creature, and you either hit a creature or a player with uh, equal to its power. So I mean, I, I think Fling is going to see play, but I don't think it's going to make as much waves as I expected to ma- as I expected to see. Sure. Like we don't really have like Fling a Tog decks. Um, also, uh, fling plus prowess well, is a little bit of a nonbo. Only because it's not it's not built yet. Like that's true. Ravenous Intruder is literally a tug. Yes, that is true. Um, like I'm not far be it for me to think that fling doesn't see play. Um, but there's with a, disallow in the format, that's really bad though. It is really bad. Like you you get your fling countered. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. That that's a feel bad. 
That's a two for one the wrong way. Oh yeah, that's that's the worst kind of two for ones. Yeah. Speaking of speaking of two for ones or two for or X for ones, Hazaret the Fervent, the god that I think is most likely to see standard play. Yeah, I could I could see that. So what does Hazaret do for us, Vinny? So for four, the the low low price of four mana, indestructible, haste five four, can't attack or block unless you have one or fewer cards in your hand. You can also tap two in a red and discard a card and deal two damage to each opponent. So two-headed giant players, this one's for you. Oh, yeah. Um, Vinny, what do you see in Hazaret? Um, She's just basically the top end of an aggro deck slash middle of a mid-range deck, I guess. I mean, such as really any other really good 4-drop is. Yeah. Um, are you not afraid of the fact that Hazaret is the only god that dies to Grass of Darkness? Yeah, that that is definitely concerning. Um, which is, I mean, Grass Darkness doesn't see as much play now. However, with these gods coming into the, um, into the battlefield, so to speak, I think it's going to go up a little bit, especially if this one sees more play. Oh yeah. Like if Hazard sees a ton of play, people are going to be like, all right, time to dust off my, uh, my Grass of Darknesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about, um, we're going to skip one of these cards, and we're going to go ahead and go to a card that everybody kind of saw and went like, yeah, that's going to see play, Soul Scar Mage. Uh, Soul Scar Mage is a 1-mana, one 1-2 one, in red with prowess, and basically any of your non-combat damage that you deal, uh, it puts minus one, minus one counters on your opponent's creatures. So if you played a fight card, that would, ha- that would be minus one, minus one counters. You play a burn spell, that would be minus one, minus one counters, and so on. Mm-hmm. Pinging things. Um, yeah. So, hmm. I mean, 1-2 with Prowess for 1 was already saw play, although it had haste back in the day. Well, yeah, Swifty, um, uh, Taylor Swift Spear was a very different card. I mean, st- still, like, fine. It just can't attack till the next turn, and that's okay. Yeah. Um, plus, it gives you a dope ability. Oh, yeah. Like, and being, being able, able to, to wither things? Ooh. I mean, the big thing with Soul Scar Mage is it turns all your burn spells into combat tricks. Mm-hmm. Like, you you, you can attack your Soul Scar Mage into a 4-4, Shock it into a two-two and kill it. Oh yeah, which is <laughs> which is pretty ridiculous. Speaking speaking of the exemplar of strength, um, which one? The exemplar of strength. You know the two mana two mana four four. Oh yeah, I'm <laughs> stupid sometimes. It's fine. No, I forget fine. things that I say. Um, so let's go <laughs> ahead and talk about the god that I think is most likely to see modern play, Ronus the Indomitable. Uh, two and a green for a legendary god. He's a 5-5 Death Touch, indestructible. Uh, he can't attack or block unless you control another creature with power 4 or greater, a.k.a. Ferocious, for those of us who played during Cons of Tarkir. And for 2 and a green, you can give another creature plus 2 plus 0 and gains Trample until yeah. end of turn. Are you never attacking? Like, is there a scenario where you're not attacking with this on turn 4? I'm always doing that. <laughs> and I'm also attacking with the creature that I just gave Trample to. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. look at Ronus and you look at it to build, like... You need to, if you play a two-two into Ronus, then Ronus is able to attack the next turn. So my only question is why this guy doesn't have Trample as well, or able to give himself Trample. I think Trample. Well, a Trample Death Touch is is kind oh, of no, ridiculous. Oh no, no, not not giving him two. He's not that lucky. Yeah. Um, and I think because like a, a Trample Indestructible creature is really hard to interact with. That's true. Like a Death Touch Indestructible creature, you're you're losing a creature every time you chump it, but at least yeah. you're doing something to it. You know. Yeah. Can't see what I'm getting at there. I think that's kind of just yeah. one of the big design decisions. 
Yeah, definitely. Man, these indestructible gods back in standard again are just going to be a pain in the butt to deal with. I mean, the biggest thing in, in that space is the fact that, you know, in Theros, they weren't always creatures. Here, they're always creatures. Yeah. So you can you can find ways of interacting with them. Um, so you can always crew vehicles. You can always, ever. yeah. You can, you, can have, you can have little god take the wheel. Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of the things that I was thinking about when I saw first saw these gods. I was like, all right, well, if they can't always attack, let's make some use of them somewhere else. And so that's when I kind of reached out to people and were like, all right, what good crew four vehicles are there? What good crew five vehicles are there? Turns out there's only one okay one, and that's Peace Walker Colossus. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to get cute, everyone. Yeah. And then the car that I think everybody was really excited about when they saw it on the previews, they're like, yes. Good hate for these yes. vehicles. This card was made for standard. Manglehorn, the strictly better Uktabi orangutans. Uh, what does Manglehorn do? So t- for two and a green, uh, when it enters the battle, oh, it's a two-two. When it enters the battlefield, you destroy target artifact, and then artifacts your opponents control enter the battlefield tapped. So what that means is, uh, no, not right now, Sahili combo. I can't deal with that. Uh, it also uh, hoses. Uh, Aetherworks Marvel, Dynavolt Tower, Gearhulk's interplay tapped as well. So mm-hmm. you you play an 8-8 Verdurus Gearhulk, that's cool, it's tapped. You flash yep. in your Torrential Gearhulk to block my team, that's cool, it's tapped. Um, <laughs> Manglehorn just does a lot of like really subtle things. Mm-hmm. I mean, given you're, you're always going to have an 8-8 Verdurus Gearhulk the next turn, but I mean, it could just mean the game if it doesn't, you know, if it can't, if it block. can't block. Um, so let's go ahead and move on to the mid-range cards. Um, the card that I'm surprised to see on this mid-range list and not kind of in the mid-range control the control list, Vinny, is Sensor. So why is Force Spike not a just pure control card? Well, so Sensor is... Um, what's the card that it was originally? Uh, the two, the one that does two mana? Oh, Miscalculation. Right. So it's not that, um, <laughs> if anybody's thinking that. Um but the reason that this is so good is because, A, it's versatile with cycling, which I think is just one of my favorite abilities ever. And it's great in tempo decks. Um, uh, Blue-white flash used to be a thing. Um, will it come back with this? Probably not, but it's this is still good. Um, it a, In a, a pure control um, deck, you want more hard counters. Whereas in a more mid-range deck, more tempo-based deck, your counters don't need to be as expensive and full-on counter them. Okay, so despite the, like, let's say that I'm a control deck and I have the choice between running, like, three sensors and one essence scatter, which we'll get to later, or three essence scatters and one sensor. You would say, play the essence scatters if I'm a control deck, but but play the sensors if I am a kind of a tempo-oriented blue deck. Yeah, I think Essence Scatter has more viability later on, um, so that's why the control decks want it. Okay. Well, speaking of other cycling cards for a, a single blue mana, we have the Curator of Mysteries, a 4-mana four 4-4 four, four flyer in blue with cycling for blue that whenever you cycle a or discard a card while it's in play, you scry one. Yes, this card is the, what everyone wants to see in their limited pool. <laughs> I mean, 4-mana four 4-4 four, four flyers are an amazing rate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and the just ability to scry one, once you do that enough times, it's just like, okay, well, I know exactly how my deck looks right now. I mean, the big thing with this, which people may not realize or may not remember, uh, whenever you have a triggered ability that goes on the stack as, re- as a result of an activated ability like cycling is, you do the you resolve the triggers first. 
So let's say you cycle a sensor with a curator of mysteries in play. You will scry one and then draw the card off sensor. Ooh, value. So, like, curator of mysteries basically turns your cycling cards into just better cyclers. Yep. And, Hyper cyclers. And then speaking of cyclers, I don't think we could leave, like, this this little, this mid-range category without talking about the Archfiend of Ifnir. Oh, yes. Three black black flyer. Uh, that's a 5-4. Whenever you cycler, discard another card, put a minus one, minus one, minus one counter on each creature your opponents control, and it has cycling for two generic mana. Yeah, Archmand of Ifnir is absurd. In my so opinion. good. So good. Um, I'm just loving these demons. Does this card alone just kill the Black Green Counters deck? Like, does Winding Constrictor just suddenly become dirt? Well, Wind Constrictor is dirt with the ability with anything. Once these minus one minus one counters came into the what came into play, because as Wind Constrictor reads, it says if a counter were to be put on an artifact or creature that you control, it uh, it does that much plus one, regardless of the type of counters. So plus one plus one and minus one minus one. Yeah. So yeah, Archfiend Ifnir against that deck would just kind of just mow through those creatures. Yeah, free flying tendrils all the time. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Archfiend Ifnir also is just a good solid, you know, control finisher. You know, 5 mana 4 4 flyers, just like 4 mana 4 4 flyers. They they hold up their end of the bargain. Oh, yeah. So let's go ahead and move on to the third god that we've we've talked about, Bantu the Glorified. Uh, or the third god, because we, have we haven't only mentioned one yet. Uh, a 3 mana 4 6 menace indestructible. Um, Bantu cannot attack or block unless a creature died under your control this turn. So it's not just morbid, it's personal morbid. And then for one in a black, sacrifice another creature. You scry one, and each opponent loses one life, and you gain one life. See, th- this is, I think, actually going to be one of the harder ones to turn. Well, actually, no. We'll, we'll get to that one. Um, <laughs> like, this one, though, th- why can't it block? <laughs> I mean, four six is a great blocker. It's all also four six menace is a really hard attacker to you know to deal with. Agreed. Um, and you know, from my perspective, looking at it, I mean, two mana sack outlet is a two mana sack outlet. But I mean, you you get to play stuff like like Zulpor Cutthroat that you mentioned. Um, but mm-hmm. it does it just seems like Bantu has the setup cost is way is much higher than I would anticipate. Yeah, like this plus first of all two mana. To sacrifice another creature, that's expensive. I mean, doing this with, um, what's the one we talked about earlier? Uh, Dread Wanderer? That's five mana to get it, you know, do this ability and get it back, and it has to be returned, and you have to have one or less cards in your hand. Like, there's just too many ifs. Yeah. Um, it, it doesn't even work all that well with Scrap Heap Scrounger. Again, that's four mana to do this ability. And what, it, what are you actually gaining out of that? You get to scry, not even draw a card. It's not even more, more than one. Like, you're just scrying one. And they just lose a life. So, yeah. I don't know, I'm kind of off this card. I mean, the card that I want to sack to Bantu is the Doomed Dissenter, the two mana one one that dies into a two two. But even then, I'm I'm. Yeah. Well, yeah. that that means that you have to play the Doomed Dissenter. <laughs> I mean, if I'm playing Bantu, I'm playing Doomed Dissenter. That that's where I'm at. Like, if I'm playing these, you know, these card, if I'm playing the sack outlet, I'm playing cards that die for value. I'm not just gonna. Sure. I'm not throwing Are Bantu you... into any just average black deck. 
What about the the one one that dies into an Eldrazi Scion one one? Yeah, I'll play the I'll play Green Black Sacrifice. It's a Blister Pod. Yeah, Blister. I'll play Blister Pod. I'll play Catacomb Sifter. Yeah, I'll play I mean, all of those. We do have Yeheni. I mean, there there are things that can make this viable. I just don't think it's ever going to see tier one. Like, no. Aristocrats saw its time in uh, Innistrad RTR standard with but that was way different souls. cards. Yeah, very different card pool. Um, I don't think this. I don't think the tools are there right now. Like, mm-hmm. we need Antuco Husk. Right. Um, this is the first Planeswalker we've talked about today. Bloviana, yes. Death's Majesty. One of She's the back. quintessential mid-range. Like, you read this card and you just kind of go, "Yeah, this is either this is a mid-range card." Yeah. Period. <laughs> so, what what does Liliana do? So, for three black, black, five loyalty, she comes down with. Um, she creates a 2-2 zombie for her plus one, and then you put the top two cards of your library into your graveyard, so hello, Delirium. Um, from uh, If you subtract three, you get a card ba- a creature card back from your graveyard, and it's a black zombie in addition to its other colors and types. And then for minus seven, you destroy all non-zombie creatures. Now, we we here at Eyes on the Minds, we do the Planeswalker review show, and we're, gonna, we're probably still going to do that. Um, and remember, ultimates... They help you win the game, sure, but the big thing to remember about ultimates is that they don't always come up very often. Right. I mean, this one is only two turns away, but usually planeswalkers die. So. Yeah. Um, plus, Liliana makes zombies, which helps block for her. She reanimates creatures. Like I could also see this a like a weird like Sultai grapple with the past deck where you're trying to drop a Liliana and then reanimate a Ulamog on turn five or something like that. Ooh. If you're yes. if you're feeling really spicy. If you're um, into that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, you know, reanimation is is powerful. Um, but I think Liliana's just going to see play. The, the big question is, does she supplant Last Hope? Does she see play in addition to Last Hope? Or are they just two entirely different cards for entirely different decks? I mean, one feeds the other. Um, you know, being able to, to flip the top two with um, Liliana Last Hope's minus two ability. You just don't return a creature because you'd, you'd rather come back to the battlefield. And I don't know that I don't. I'm not a huge fan of the plus one ability on this one. I don't think a two-two blocks a five-drop planeswalker very well. Um, although it it does protect it. I mean, it's just a Gideon. Like Gideon makes a knight that blocks for it. Yeah, but it also attacks for five the next turn. That's you're not wrong. Um, so we're gonna go ahead and talk about another card that had a lot of people excited with the beautiful art. Uh, Vizier of the Menagerie, a three and a green for a three-four Naga cleric. Uh, you may look at the top card of your library. You may cast the top card if it's a creature, and you can spend mana as though it were mana of any type to cast creature spells. So this card is one of the staples in the deck that I most want to build. <laughs> <laughs> that is five color creatures, guys. Yes. Five colors. Gosh, this card's good. Yeah, dust off those ancient ziggurats. Um, so Vizier Menagerie has a lot of things going for it. The big thing to, to note about it is that it says type, not color. So if you have a Thought Not Seer on top of your library and you have no colorless sources of mana, mm-hmm. you can cast a Thought Not Seer with Vizier of the Menagerie. Oh, I had another judge question actually regarding that. Yes. So the Na- Naga Vitalist, for it's one green for a 1-2, and you tap it to add it to your mana pool one mana of any type that a land you control could produce. So that can produce colorless mana? Correct. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. It, because it doesn't say color. So that's the first time that we're seeing something like that, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, most of those effects do specify color, because normally that's the important part. Do you think they're switching over to that now? Uh, I could see that being a new template, yes. Especially now that we have colorless mana as costs. Hmm. 
Interesting. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Side, sideboard there. Yeah. A little, little bit of a sideboard there. Uh, next card we're going to talk about is, uh, I think. Wait, wait, time out. Before we move off that card though, uh, playing cards off the top of your deck is really good. I just want to put that out there. Yeah. Yeah. I've played with Corsair of Crufix. Vinny's played with yeah. Corsair of Crufix. We've seen the Corsair of Crufix mirror before. It's kind of silly. Do you want to get into why uh, you're not actually revealing the top card? or? Uh, I will save that for a different episode, and I think I've already mentioned oh, it a little bit. Save it for later. Yeah. Uh, next card I want to talk about is a Mouth to Feed, uh, another, one, another Aftermath card. It is two and a green for a sorcery, make a 3-3 three, three hippo. And then Feed is three and a green for a sorcery with Aftermath, so you cast it from your graveyard. And you draw a card for each creature you control with power three or greater. Yeah, man. Uh, well, the black green aggro deck really would have liked this, but mm. <laughs> sad to say, no longer. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, yes, the like winding constructor kind of is kind of dead, and you know, the the black green deck doesn't really have a good place in the metagame currently. But we'll see what's we'll see how how Almond Catcher really really shakes that up because again, Mouth of Feed is a very powerful card. It is one half Call the Herd, and then one half a fairly different uh, what's the card? Shamanic Revelation. That's right. The card I was thinking of. Yeah. I don't know. It is good because standard, most of the creatures have three power, like yeah. almost all for the most part. Um, and two spells for the price of one is always good. Just how good, I'm not really sure. And remember to crew your vehicles before feed resolves, otherwise you're too late to draw cards. Womp womp. Uh, next, well, let's talk about a card that is definitely going to shake up standard, uh, either by being slotted into an already existing deck or potentially allowing other decks to flourish. Nissa, Steward of Elements. Uh, Vinny, what does Nissa do? Um, so it's uh, the first X-costed Planeswalker. Um, so for loyalty X, you pay X green, blue. Her plus two ability is Scry 2. So not doing much there. Uh, her zero ability, however, is outcard your library. If it's a land card or a creature card with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of loyalty counters on her... You can put that card onto the battlefield. Not hand, people. Battlefield. Um, for minus six, untap of two target lands you control. They become five, five elements, or elemental creatures with flying and haste until the end of the turn. They're still lands. So Nissa so, is a eight mana deal ten to your opponent. I'm out of breath. Yeah. Nissa does a lot of things. Um, the one thing that I wish her ab- zero ability did is draw a card if you kind of, if you whiff off of it. But I mean, mm-hmm. that's a minor, that's a minor issue. Yeah. Th- this card, like, that that is just too powerful. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It, I wish <laughs> it was Quilling Oracle. I wish it, it was. Way I, wish better. It was I just wish it was Quilling Oracle. What can I say? Um, <laughs> this is absurd. Um, she does kind of slot in nicely to the already existing four color Sahili decks. She kinda, really, really does. Kind of burying the lead there. Um, and I'm interested to see um, whether a blue green ramp deck takes off because of Nissa, or whether we see like a Bant control deck, which I think could, would be really sweet with Nissa in play. Uh, I'm just I'm just really interested to see where Nissa lands specifically. She's definitely going to find her home, I'll tell you that much. Yeah, she's just too strong not to. Like, there's there's a lot of these cards that are like, it's too good not to see play. Well, I mean, what's cool about her is you can go Sahili, right, plus one, um, look at the top card. If it's a, a creature card like, I don't know, say Felidar Guardian, uh, you can just put it into the battlefield with her zero. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and move on to Samut, Voice of Descent, who has every keyword under the sun. Yeah, hashtag keyword. So flash, double strike, vigilance, haste. Not only that, but she gives all your other creatures uh, haste. She's a 3-4 for a 3 red-green. Um, 
And for white and uh, being able to tap her, you untap another target creature. So she works really well with uh, exert creatures. Yeah, so I'm five minute like a five minute three four with flash is probably fine. Like it probably will see standard play. I don't know like what deck specifically is going to want her, and I don't know how many you're going to play. Like I don't see a deck playing like two of two summits. I see like a deck playing one. Yeah, I see it in like a a red green mid range or maybe aggro deck that may or may not be able to ever use that ability on yeah. her. I mean, obviously her intent is to untap some of your exert creatures, but in any case. Uh, let's move up to some of the cards that are more on the are still mid-range, but more on the kind of control side of things. And we start off with two embalm creatures, which are pretty absurd. Uh, Angel of Sanctions, which is the three white-white for the three-four flyer that when it comes into play, you banishing light, uh, another you banishing light a permanent and opponent controls or non-land permanent. Uh, with Embalm for 5 and a white, and Glyph Keeper, 3 blue blue for a 5-3 flyer, with what what we're calling the Kira ability, uh, the first time that you uh, that it is targeted by a spell or ability, each turn you counter it, uh, and Embalm for 5 blue blue, 7 mana. Yes, sir, I'm just going to find that one. Um, what were the stats on that again? Uh, the It is for Glyph Keeper? Yeah. It's a five and a five four fly or five three flyer, with embalm yeah, that, for seven. That hits hard, and uh, the the glass cutter inventions did well. Um, jetting glass kite. Yeah. Right. That's the one that this one is probably most like. Um, and as we know from um, what's the the five five seven drop and that you play in your blue decks. Um, um, oh, you mean the Sphinx of the Final Word? Yes, uh, hexproof. Yeah. Like, this is basic. It's pseudo-hexproof. So it's definitely going to get you your value if they try to kill it. Yeah. Uh, next card kind of on this list that I'm excited to try to play in a, in my standard deck of, of right now, of Grixis Tower, Sweltering Suns. One red-red for a sorcery that deals three to all three damage to all creatures with cycling for three. Yep. The versatility of cycling, man. Whew. Yeah. Like, playing this against the, in the control mirror and just being able to go, man, I do not need to worry about this card. Yep. Is uh, really, really nice. No thank you, Radiant Flames. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the hard control cards. Uh, we've oh. got two well, we've got two aftermath cards on it. First, commit to memory, the blue aftermath card. Uh, commit is a is three and a blue for an instant where you basically took take a per, a non-land permanent or spell and took it one from the top of your opponent's library. And memory is four blue blue for uh, time Twister. Everybody shuffles their hand and graveyards into their library and draws seven. Yeah, so do you think like a Turbo Fog deck could be a thing? Probably not enough Fog spells. Probably not enough ways to make that viable either. No. Um, it does... It, inter- it commits interesting because when you put it on the second from the top, right, you're not skipping their next draw phase, but then you kind of skip the one after. Is this like in case they have a clue or something? And Probably. Like, it... it- I think it works better against certain decks. Like I, I think in, in a control deck, it's just kind of laughable. Um, yeah. But against like a mid range deck, where maybe you tuck it under, you, you, they cast a spell they really want, you tuck it under like a land or whatever. Yeah, I, I can't think of how many times you actually want both of these effects. Like the first one is mediocre, especially because it costs four. Um, the second one, what do you, you're not going to bring in the control matchup, right? No. For in a, in a control deck. Like it hoses um, like Torrential Gearhulks a little bit, but it doesn't of. matter. Right. Um, 
Next card, the other Aftermath card is Spring to Mind, which Spring is two and a green for literal rampant growth at sorcery speed. Get a basic, put it into play tapped. And Mind is probably the most expensive divination ever at two, at four blue blue instant draw two cards. Yep, but hey, it's a two for one card and it goes great into my five color uh, creature deck. So It also works really <laughs> well with Nissa because it helps you ramp and helps you maybe find her. Yeah, something um, like that. Another card that I'm really excited to play is Hieroglyphic Illumination, which oh, yeah. is uh, another expensive divination for three and a blue. Cy- three and a blue, draw two cards at instant speed with cycling for blue. So I'm, I'm just, I'm just waiting for the day that I can go. All right, end of your turn, cycling, torrential gear hole, flashback, get two more cards. Just be really happy with a big smile on my face. Oh yeah, Hieroglyphic, Hieroglyphic Illumination is absurd. Uh, and then another card that. If it sees play, it's going to be busted, as foretold. Yes, and so my favorite thing, I was having a conversation with a friend the other day, and he's like, well, this card's bad, and me, you know, living in a magical Christmas land right next to Patrick Chapin, and like, well, you go turn three, as foretold, turn four, uh, well, on my end, I go, okay, free shock, and then turn four on your end, you go, okay, free magma spray, turn five, uh, incendiary flow, turn five, anticipate, turn six, I don't know, free tower? Sound good? Turn six for you? Okay, I'm going to disallow that. So, I mean, I'm just saying. It, 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 it could see play. Yeah. Um, and then we have a selection of cards that are probably just going to see play, period, because they are they're very, very powerful at what they do. Um, cast Out being a four-mana flash of Oblivion Ring with cycling that's never going to get cycled. Like, that mm, card's Probably not. <laughs> um, we have Kefnet the Mindful, the blue god, uh, two in a blue... For a 5-5 Indestructible Flyer, it can't attack unless you have seven or more cards in hand, or block for that matter. And then you can pay three and a blue to draw a card, and then you may pick up one of your lands. Yeah, so originally I had this in the control um, area, but then I realized, like, I mean, aggro decks want this too. Not that any aggro decks are often blue, but uh, mid-range decks, just they just want this ability. So that's why it landed in, well, it just should go in every blue deck. Yeah. And how do you keep your handful of cards? Well, we've got Pull from Tomorrow. Blue, blue, X instant. Draw X cards, then discard one. Yeah. Like, that discard one, it it feels like it doesn't even say that. Yeah. I mean, if you're drawing two cards and discarding one, that's a feel bad. If you're drawing five cards and discarding one, you really don't don't mind. Also, we have Aftermath cards and Embalm cards, so if if that matters as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... A card that I'm interested to see how much play it sees, Bone Picker. Three and a black for a 3-2 flying death touch that if a creature died this turn, not your creature, any creature, it costs three less. So I actually heard of this probably having more utility in uh, Modern. Yeah. That's that's what I've been hearing. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a strictly better insectile aberration uh, that you can play on turn I don't think you can go play it on turn one. I mean, you could, but you'd lose the game the next turn with Slaughter Pact. Uh, but <laughs> you can do a, a turn of, you know, um, Fatal Push Your Guy, play Bone Picker. Yeah. I which mean, is a standard can... line, too. Can you... No. Yeah, no, there's no way to play this on turn one, right? No. Not, mm. not without free spells. Oh, mom. oh, wait. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Oh, Walking you... Ballista. Yeah. You ballista for zero. Yeah. Which, I, don't, I mean, feel bad. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ballisting for zero anytime soon. No. Mm-hmm. Um, Never to Return is another card. Like, Never is one black black sorcery, destroy target creature, or planeswalker. Return is three and a black sorcery. Um, both sides are sorceries. 
uh, exile a card from a graveyard, and you make a 2-2 zombie. Yeah. Uh, it's it's just Ruinous Path, and then it has semi-utility when it hits the grave that kind of screws over a Torrential Gear Hulk, but yeah. I don't know. That, that second ability is not that great. Uh, two red cards, Glorybringer. Like, when, the first time anyone saw it, like, that card, everyone's like, that card is absurd. Yeah, I feel like we don't even need to talk about it because of how much it's being talked about. Uh, and then another card I'm excited about seeing back, Magma Spray. Don't call it a comeback. This yeah. is great against uh, Scrap Heap. It's one red instant. Um, Magma Spray deals two damage to your creature, and if it would die, it gets exiled instead. This so, is the answer I've been looking for Scrap Heap Scrounger forever. You wanted this so bad. Oh, man. Scrap- I mean, you used to have to incendiary flow it, and now you can just do it at instant speed for one less mana. Yeah, and I can turn to Gearhold Magma Spray, too. Man, it's going to be so good. Oh, gosh. Um, we have a few green cards. We have Channeler Initiate, which is one of the green for a 3-4. Uh, but when it comes into play, you may put you put three plus plus one counters on, or not plus plus one minus one minus one counters. <laughs> That's a very different card. Uh, three minus one minus one counters on a creature you control, and then you can tap the initiate and remove a count, remove a minus one minus one counter to add one mana of any color to your mana pool. Yeah, see, this is the first one that we talked about where you like actively want the minus one minus one counters on it, like so it comes into play and you target it. I mean, it's a O one, and O ones die to everything. So that's true. But, you know, you tap it once, it's a 1-2. You tap it again, it's a 2-3. Uh, right. Then you, suddenly, your Naga, or suddenly your Chandler Initiate is just an absurd late-game creature. I mean, what's cool is, do you play this in, like, a, a an aggressive human deck? Because you can ramp out multiple creatures, right? And then um, by the time you're done ramping out all your creatures, it's ready to attack. I, I could see a turn where you go... So you go turn 1, Thraven Inspector, turn 2... Channeler Initiate, put all the counters on it. Then turn three, you go Thali's Lieutenant, Thali's Lieutenant, tapping the Initiate, and mm-hmm. you suddenly have a 3-4 on turn on turn three that's attacking on yeah. turn four. Yeah, we, It's something that you could see. And then uh, Naga Vitalist we mentioned earlier, it's uh, two mana. I forget its stats. One-two. Uh, it's a one-two. Taps for any color that... A t- uh, taps for any type of mana that a land you control could produce. It's just a, It's just an elf. It makes mana. Um, yes. No, it doesn't fix your mana. It just gives you more mana that you have. It's a reflecting pool. Yes. Yep. Uh, then we have Cut to Ribbons. Uh, cut is one in the red. Sorcery, deal four to a creature. Ribbons is X black black for a sorcery. Uh, each opponent loses X life and you gain. Or no, just each opponent loses X life. No life gain. You just fireball them. Yep. And so this is my favorite one to uh, open in Limited. I, everyone's kind of like, ah, it's okay. And I'm just like, no, I actively want this card. Yeah, Cut to Ribbons <laughs> is absurd in Limited. Oh, yeah. Uh, just to kind of list some of the sideboard cards that Vinny has uh, earmarked, Avon Mind Sensor, in case searching libraries becomes more prevalent. Forsake mm-hmm. the Worldly is three and a white to exile a artifact or enchantment with cycling. Gideon's Intervention uh, can stop any shenanigans from happening. Uh, it'd be really funny to name Gideon Ally of Zendikar with Gideon's Intervention. <laughs> uh, Essence Scatter is a main deck card in certain control decks, but it can be a sideboard card. Two, two mana counter target creature. Uh, Labyrinth Guardian is a 2-minute two 2-3 two, with Embalm for 4 that if they target it with a spell, you sacrifice it. Uh, not ability. Ba- spell. Yeah, just spell, not ability, so they, they can tap it or whatever. Uh, that's a very below-curve body. I could see it as a sideboard card in Control decks, which I think is what you're envisioning here. Yeah, that, that's the, the biggest potential it has. Uh, final Reward 4 and a black for a instant exile target creature. I don't know if this sees play over something like Oblivion Strike, which is still in Standard. But being able to get flashback by Torrential Gear Hulk is a big game. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, th- this card is cool because you get rid of like Delirium, right? 
Um, you don't have to sack a creature like you would with the the cats, the artifact cats from this set. Watch um, um, Watchers of the Dead, which is also yeah. on this list. Oh, is it? Sorry, I just like completely looked over that. But yeah, no. Um, so I guess I could talk about it now. Watchers of the Dead, two uh, uh, generic mana for a two-two, exile it, and each opponent chooses two cards in his or her graveyard and exiles the rest. So now, both of these cards still allow your opponent to uh, have Delirium set. But it is the graveyard graveyard hate that people were asking for. Yeah, uh, if in case you're wondering, they can keep an artifact creature and then one of the new split cards that's an instant and a sorcery, and just have delirium, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad. Um, then we have Scarab Feast, which is another, which is a targeted graveyard hate card, black mana instant exile up to three target cards from a single graveyard with cycling for black. Uh, just a very versatile. Card oh, that's there. the card. Sorry, that, that's the card I was talking about, not final reward. Okay, Scarab Feast, got yep, it. Yep, sorry. Uh, yeah, final reward, though, um, it's just only going to be good if Gulamog returns, because something like To the Slaughter didn't really... It, it was still really hard to deal with, yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, also, Cast Out deals with Ulamog, which is nice. Um, yeah. Trial of Ambition, which is one of the black for a enchantment. Uh, when it comes into play, target opponent sacrifices a creature, and then if you play a cartouche, you return it to your hand. I'm not sure how many cartouches you're playing in Standard, um, yeah, but Trial of Ambition is a card that you want for that. Yeah, I, I just think that if Oath of Oleana didn't see play, this probably won't. To the Slaughter is probably in better effect. Yeah, uh, By Force is uh, Red X Destroy X Artifacts at Sorcery Speed. That's going to see play. Uh, I'm already replacing uh, Release the Gremlins with it. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. So, I mean, I, I get why, because it costs so much more mana, but really? Like, yeah. you wouldn't rather just have tutus? I would rather kill their things. Okay. Also, I mean, how often are they going to have, like, a million bajillion uh, uh, against, artifacts? Against vehicles? Like, I could see casting this for three pretty easily. Kill, okay. kill a Scrap Heap Scrounger, kill a, kill a Heart of Kieran, and kill whatever. But are they really going to have those three things? Like, how often do you run into that situation? I would rather spend three mana... I'd rather spend three mana to destroy two artifacts than five mana. It's much easier yeah, but... for me. It's much easier for me to find three mana than five mana in the aggro deck, and when I'm playing the aggro deck. Okay, fair. And it's at sorcery speed, and you don't want to tap out on their turn. That makes sense. Uh, Harsh mentor, which is also a card that's going to see modern play. Uh, one of the hadiest hate bears ever made. Oh yeah. So I mean, this is like death and taxes in red, right? I mean, not really taxes, but hate. <laughs> I mean, you could play. You could play this, and you curve it into say Magus of the Moon and make everybody cry. Yeah, I mean, you can call this death, and then more death. Exactly. Uh, Dissenter's Deliverance is one in a green for, at instant speed, for just shatter, destroy an artifact, cycling for green. Yeah, I've heard people, uh, wanting this in main decks. Yes, I could absolutely see that. Uh, Stinging yeah. Shot is the flying hate card of the set. Green mana, put three minus and minus encounters on a flyer with cycling. Yep, I like that card too, just uh, very versatile. Heaven to Earth is the red-green rare aftermath card. Uh, it is, Heaven is X and a green for an instant, deal X damage to all flyers. Earth is X red red, aftermath, so only from your graveyard. Uh, deal X to each nut creature without flying. Yeah, this is probably one that I see the uh, less um, popularity. I'm yeah. just not doing them a lot right now. And then we've got a list of other, like, uh, as Vinny put it, cute slash slash build arounds, for those of you who know how uh, Magic templates uh, split card names. Uh, Anointed Procession, Approach of the Second Sun, Regal Caracal, Vizier of Remedies, New Perspectives, Shadow of the Grave, Flame Blade Adept, Warfire Javelinier, Benefaction of Ronus, and a Champion of Ronus. Yeah, so are you, are there, is there anything on this list that you are excited about or that you're like, 
maybe it's not just build around. Maybe this is an actual thing. I mean, I think approach of the second son, it might actually just be a might just be a real thing. Uh, mm-hmm. It really only dies to something like uh, counter spells, and I'm probably right. playing two or three into the deck that I'm playing approach of the second son, anyways. So I could see a scenario where I play approach of the second son on turn seven, and then again on turn eight. Yeah, um, I mean, it does also get shut down by um, the new Gideon, but we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, um, new, new Chad is rough. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, the Flame Blade Adept, that's the one-two with prowess, right? The one-two uh, menace that whenever you discard a card or cycle a card, right. it gets plus one plus zero. Yeah. Again, I mean, one-twos that can get pumped up, uh, especially with ones with evasion, could be pretty sweet. I mean, I've already seen some green black madness slash like noose constrictor type decks yeah uh and then that kind of does it for those and we have a bunch of cards that Vinny's unsure of uh and i just want to talk again about chad gideon of the trials where does he land is he in this legendary like 12 gideon deck well from what i hear three mana planeswalkers are good they always see play they always see play Mm -hmm. which is the ridiculous part is it good i don't know um, and that's, that's exactly why I made this column, because these are just cards I just, honestly, I can't evaluate properly, because they're so unique, I guess. Um, and I remember we were having a conversation the other day, and I th- somebody was saying that just making that emblem is just useless, like, why even do it? And I was like, well, they either kill you or kill it. Like, you survive another turn, always. Yeah. Yeah, you always get one extra turn if if you go Gideon make the Platinum Angel emblem as we're as we're calling it off the original effect. Um, but right, the, unless mean, they have a, a whole board and attack you as well and it, but I mean you're gonna die regardless. So yeah, like if you're already dead, you're dead. You might as well just go ahead and emblem Gideon there. Right. Uh, um, and then there's a, the, no. Go ahead. The, this on turn three, make the emblem. Right. Either they kill it and you get to play your other Gideon, or they don't. You play, I don't know, two two drops and get to attack with a four four. It depends. Uh, I also saw a list by Shaheen Sarani, writer for Star City Games, who had Gideon as the best card for control decks in Standard. I could see that a hundred percent. I think it might I have see... actually been second for to cast out, but the point was like he had it in his top ten cards for control. Oh yeah, I could see this seeing play in a blue white deck that was nearly playable in last Standard, although you know it didn't see a lot of play. Um, there were definitely a few brews that I had of a white-blue control deck, and this easily fits into it. Oh, yeah. Um, so we just hit the hour mark, and I know some of our listeners don't like it when we mention time, but I don't want this to drag on because Vinny and I could literally talk about the rest of these cards and the decks for another hour. So yes. So <laughs> we're going to do so in another episode. So uh, this is, we're just going to go ahead and cut off the cards here, uh, come back. Uh, let's say I'll, I'll upload the next one on Monday. So on Monday, the that's the 25th. No, that's way off. Tomorrow's the 20th. So Thursday's the 20th, 21st, 22nd, 24th. On the 24th, uh, we'll have another episode coming up, going up at the regular time with John, with Vinny and I talking about some new deck ideas for Standard. So thank you guys so much for listening. Oh, by the way, if you wanted to find us on social media, uh, Vinny, where could people find you on social media if they wanted to talk to you? So my Twitter is at Vinny1125. Again, I don't use it very often, but I'd be more than happy to uh, shout you back out if you give me a shout out. Yep. Uh, if you want to find Ian on Twitter, he's on Twitter at DixonIJ, and he's on Twitch at twitch.tv slash Dix, D-I-X. 
Uh, I am on Twitter at jwiley129. I'm on Twitch at the same handle. So if you see me rolling around, don't hesitate to say hi. And if you want to reach the podcast directly, you can do so on Twitter at eyesinthemise at gmail.com. Uh, don't hesitate to give us any feedback. We'd love to hear um, how we can best improve the show for you, our listeners. Uh, with that said, thank you guys so much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next time. Mm-hmm.